0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. This past Wednesday, during Morning Watch, I felt like the Lord was, uh, was speaking something directly to me, but I think it, it went beyond just me. It, it was kind of a word of what he's doing, I think, across the church. And he told me that he's coming to uproot the things that we have allowed to be established. And established here was not a good sense. Like, you know, if you're established in the Lord, that's that's good. But it's the kind of stuff that we've allowed to be established because we didn't contend. We We just resigned ourselves that this is probably as good as it's going to get and so we just kind of out of no motivation just allowed stuff to to get established in our lives and in our community and it's like hmm okay lord i want to give you access to every part And I invite you to uproot everything that's been established that's not of you in my life, in our church. Lord, come and uproot as only you can. And so as I I took that, then I came across the passage that we're ready for as we go through the Gospel of Mark. So Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions such as the washing of cups pitchers and kettles so the pharisees and teachers of the law asked jesus why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands he replied isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have to let go of the commandments of God. You have let go of the commandments of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corban. That is a, a gift devoted to God. Then you are no longer, then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. Father, we ask that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Speak to our hearts. May we be quick to respond and give place to you in Jesus' name. So here we have the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the scribes, they're coming and they gather around Jesus. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I wish the passage stopped right there. Because if it stopped right there, the Pharisees and the scribes are doing really good. They've gathered around Jesus. And I would that we would all gather around Jesus. That's, That's what we want. But when they gathered around Jesus, they saw his disciples eat with unclean hands. Now, Isn't that interesting? When you gather around Jesus, the first thing that you'll probably see is the things that you are most concerned about. The Pharisees was really kind of implementing some kind of protocol to get everyone to agree with how they interpreted the Torah how they interpreted what it's like to follow in the ways of god and so they're really concerned about that and so they're trying to get everybody to do what they do and if if we can get conformity to that then there's a sense in which they have a little bit more control we still do that today Have, have you noticed the pressure that you feel coming to the church I mean, Sean's just been here a couple months, and he's already conformed t- to the hairstyle, the facial. He's, he's already conformed, because we put such pressure on, on everyone to make sure. You know, it, it, it's really interesting how, how, we, how we try to get people to fall. And I know as a, a leader in the church, I've, I've watched the church for years and years and years use guilt and manipulation to try to get everybody to behave like good Christians. And so if you weren't behaving like a good Christian, you were in trouble. And so we would conform. How do you know if you're behaving like a good Christian? Well, it was how you wore your hair. It was the length of your skirt or your dress. It was the makeup. On a woman's face. It was the jewelry. And it, it was all of these things that were ways of trying to encourage people to be Christ like. No, to be religious. And it's like, okay, Lord, you got to speak to us today. Because If I heard you correctly on Wednesday you're saying there's things that we've allowed to be established that shouldn't have been allowed so Lord would you show us today the things that you want to uproot in our lives Um, as as you see in in the passage of Scripture here the Pharisees and the scribes are really really concerned with law They wanna make sure that you're following the rules, that everybody's doing it correctly. And and so we will have all sorts of ways of trying to measure, to make sure everybody is is behaving the way they should. Jesus upsets the apple cart. He's, He's challenging the very foundation of the conformity that the Pharisees were requiring of the people because the Pharisees was looking on the outside and trying to get conformity by the people when the Lord is looking at the inside. And so we find that it's it's not religion's rules, it's love's relationships. Our relationship with the Lord is really, really important. Now, have you ever discovered that when you're not spending time with the Lord, it's really easy to fall back into following rules it's so simple you know if you follow the rules then you don't really need to inquire of the lord you can just go on about your way and before you know it you haven't talked with him you haven't conversed with him you haven't done anything with him you've just been going about your daily business and some of the religious constructs that we have and here i'm going to tread carefully because I don't want you to mishear me, but sometimes we have our Bible reading programs. We're going to get through the Bible in a year. Right now, I think there's a, a thresh through the scriptures that you get through the whole Bible in a month, and it's like whoa. And so we have those things. Uh, we we have a way. You know, I can't I can't start my morning until I've. Read this devotional, read the scripture, read five psalms, read a chapter in the gospel, three chapters in the Old Testament. We, we get whatever whatever program we have. And here's the key. Anything that you're doing as a result of your relationship with the Lord and as a result of what you're doing, it... it, it becomes a conversation starter. It becomes something that brings in an intimate time with the Lord. That's good. But I don't know about you, I've, I've had times in my life where I just didn't feel good, like a good Christian if I haven't read my Bible. And so the, the, the emphasis of, for Bible reading is so that I'll feel good. It's not so that I will know Him It's just so I will appease the guilt that somehow I've come to embrace a religious rule that says good Christians have to read their Bible every day. And I want to feel good about being a good Christian. Do you understand the subtlety, the contrast, the difference between I'm doing this because I want to be good, I'm doing this because I want to know Him. I want to know him. And the, the primary motivation for reading the word should be to know him. To know him. Not just to know about him. And so we find that oftentimes we have those things that we try to impress him with. Have you ever tried to impress God? Yes. You must not have my temper, nap, personality temperament but I've t- I tried to impress him. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm there and I, I'm really wanting to do something and all of a sudden I realize, oh, that's the wrong motive. You know, I shouldn't do it for that motive. So I'm talking to the Lord and I say, oh Lord, please forgive me. And I start beating myself because I'm doing it from the wrong motive. And as I'm beating myself for, for doing it with the wrong motive, when I get down, I'm thinking, I bet he's really impressed with me. I bet he really sees how, how devoted and mature I am and, and how I want to do it right. I'm sure I impressed him today. And all of a sudden, the religious spirit comes in the back door. And now I'm still doing it, not so much for him, but to impress him about how good I am. Isn't it amazing how complex that stuff can get? That we can't even discern it until we get down into our hearts. For the scripture says, above everything else guard your heart, for out of it flows the wellsprings of life. Everything about life comes from your heart. That's why the enemy targets your heart and he goes after it from day one. And if he can't get you to do all the bad stuff that he wants to do to destroy your heart and your sense of identity and purpose and fill you with shame and condemnation, then he'll do it on the religious side. And you know what? The religious side does, does just as much damage to your heart as the world side. It really does. For years, I've had to deal with my own self-righteousness because I read more than everybody else. I prayed longer than everybody else. I led more people to Jesus than everybody else. And I was just quite sure that the Lord was impressed that he had me on his team. Man, and it's like that self-righteous thing. A religious spirit that comes upon us that causes us to perform and to excel not because we know who he is and we're doing it hand-in-hand hand with him but in order to self-promote to look amazing and it's like oh so Lord help us help us today Help us not to fall into the religious spirit that we see that the religious leaders of the day were totally, totally in. So they gathered around Jesus, and so far, that's as good as it got. And then they saw the disciples eating with unclean. Now, mind you, if the disciples were eating with unclean hands, my mother would be all over them. She would be telling them, get in and wash your hands. But that's not what this is. It wasn't an issue of hygiene. The disciples' hands were clean. They just hadn't gone through the ceremonial process that the religious people were trying to put so that they would have control and there would be more conformity. And so now we'd have our fingertips up and the pour the water and get off. It was all about religious show. Hmm. So when we gather around Jesus, like we did today, like we're doing right now, what is it that you see? Does your eyes go around and look at everybody else and see where they're coming up short? Are you, are you enamored with his beauty, with his love, with his goodness? Do you see him for who he is? Or do you try to identify him by the behavior of those who say, he's my Lord? Do you try to identify the Lord from the basis of how Christians behave? Hmm. We tend to say, see through our own set of lenses. Whatever our history's been, our experience, our religious teaching, our understandings, you know, that's usually how we see what the life with Christ is supposed to be. The contrast between my self-righteousness comes against his true righteousness. And when you realize that his true righteousness has been credited to your account There's no need for you to put a facade of self-righteousness because his true righteousness trumps your righteousness on your best day. You never have to worry once you understand that his righteousness has been imparted to you. Hmm. So how does the Lord deliver us from our established religious stuff? Well, oftentimes, while we're reading the word, the spirit will come and we see it, and it's like, Oh, you know, that hurt. The way Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, gosh, I've done the same thing. And so, sometimes it's while we're reading the word, all of a sudden, we start to see, I'm not doing it the way and for the purposes and with the motives that's described in the scripture. And so it helps us. And so the scripture can be really wonderful to help us see where we're coming up short, where we've missed the mark, where we've got the wrong foundation. We're trying to build on something other than the Lord Jesus, relationship with him. And so it it helps us and it, it brings us. Sometimes it's to another person. Sometimes the Lord will uproot the established things in our lives by someone who loves him and who loves us. And so they can speak into our lives because we know they love him and we know that they love us. The best person to uproot things that have been established in your life is someone who loves you. Anybody else? Well, write them off. We can figure out, well, They're just jealous. Well, they haven't got the revelation of the kingdom that I have, and therefore what they're saying really isn't justifiable. And we'll find ways to dismiss. But here, the Lord will use those who love us and who love him to correct us. Are there exceptions? Absolutely. Sometimes the Lord can use your enemy to show you that something in your life needs to be uprooted. They meant it for evil, but the Lord took what they said, and as they said it, it stung, but he breathed on it, and you realize there's some truth here. There's some truth here. I love that picture of David when Absalom is trying to overthrow his father's throne and David is leaving Jerusalem and Shimei's on the hillside one of uh, Saul's relatives and he's shouting out all these derogatory things at King David and just saying all this stuff bad about David and it's like <sighs> do you realize this is the king who could just say would somebody go and kill that man and nobody would have questioned it there had been no trial there wouldn't be any he, he was the king. He, he could have done that. And matter of fact, his mighty men wanted to go kill Shimei. And, and David said, no, 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 no. Perhaps the Lord will hear and have mercy. And I remember when the Holy Spirit just kind of unveiled that passage of Scripture to me as I was reading through the Word, and I just realized, you know, when I get insulted the Lord could speak to me through an insult if I have ears to hear. And so I say, Lord, I always want to hear what you have to say. If there's only like 5% of truth in all these accusations that are coming against me, I don't want to miss the 5% because the 95% is inaccurate. And dismiss the 5% because 95% is, is Just not true. It's like, okay, the heart of King David was, Lord, I want to know if what's being said is coming from you or not. And even if it's coming from an enemy, I want to know if there's any truth, if there's a speck of truth that you want me to hear and uproot whatever is in my life. This is not an exhaustive teaching on how to uproot because I'm just discovering. I didn't even know I had some things that needed uprooted. Yeah, maybe I did. (laughs) But it's like, okay, Lord, continue to teach. Continue to show us what needs to be uprooted in our lives. Anything that keeps us from being with him, take note of. Take note of. Hmm. Do we have idols? Anything that we esteem higher than him? Anything that you esteem? Fortunately, I've been around people. I've been with with parents who have only children, and that only child was God. And they esteemed their child above the Lord, and it was just like, oh, I'm so... I'd be so worried what would happen if something happened to this child. When, when they exalt anything above the Lord, I get, I get concerned. Where do we spend our time, our money, and our thoughts? Now I'm going to go into a little meddling here. <clears throat> but it's like a lot of times when I turn into hyper-spiritual mode, the first thing I ask the Lord is about my golf. Always goes to golf. Lord, am I spending too much time golfing? Am I spending too much time, too much money golfing? Am I spending too much time in my thoughts on golf? What is it that you think about? Do you have anything that you, you are thinking about all the time? You know, how powerful is the engine in your car? Uh is it a uh, we had a friend come by the church this week, and on the back his license plate, his vanity plate said To Hemi for you, and he had over eight hundred horsepower underneath the hood of his car, and he started it up, and it just purred it was so magnificent it was just like Wow, you know, things like that No problem, unless they get all our attention, they get all our our focus, they get all our time and all our money. It's like, okay, I need to know, Lord, what's really your heart about golf? Do I need to repent? Do I need to taper off? Do I, now I'm using my illustration, you put yours in there. Don't know what it is, but one of the things that I've discovered is the best thing to do is take the Lord with you. Say you're a workaholic, and all you do is work, 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 work. When you're done working for a company that employs you during the daytime, then you begin working after hours, and you continue to work, 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 work. How do you uproot the established of work. Listen, this is important. Take Jesus with you to work. Jesus, would you like to go golfing today? You know what? He loves golf. He really does. He loves, and I'm sure I'm very entertaining for him on the golf course. I'm sure he's busting a gut, laughing at some of the things that he sees me struggle and get frustrated and all that. I'm sure he's getting cracked up. But be intentional, invite him with you. Be intentional. Invite him to your 40-hour a week job. Be intentional. Inviting him with you on all the extra work that you do throughout the week. Be intentional. Invite him with you. You're cooking invite him to be with you as you're cooking lord do you think a little dash of this would help season this a little better have conversations with him (laughs) sometimes i i I really have to pray you know lord should i use a five wood or should i just go ahead and try to hit this seven iron Ah. yeah Those are different distances for those that play golf <laughs> you wouldn 't be battling that conversation with that, but but realize <clears throat> when you 're going to the movies, take him to the movies with you. invite him to the movies. oh gosh, are you serious going to the movies? I thought you were a Christian. you go to the movies <laughs> yeah, inviting with you. I find. When I went to see Top Gun Maverick the first time, the Holy Spirit spoke volumes to my heart. And I was just amazed at all the things that I identified with being a little on the older side and realizing that the Lord wasn't done and realizing the things that he would reveal in his heart. Invite him to go to the movies. So many times a movie will speak prophetically to your life. And it'll confirm. It's usually not something that's gonna lead as the primary communication, but it may be something that confirms or that uh, affirms something that the Lord's been speaking into your life. When you're raising kids, don't do it based on your wisdom. Invite the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom. If you got a child that has just got you at your wit's end, that's a good time to have a conversation with the Lord. He knows about every one of us and my confidence has never been in my ability to be <laughs> a good son, but in his ability to be a father who knows how to raise me as a son. And if he can do that for me, then he can show me how he wants parenthood to be represented to the kids and now the grandkids. Maybe it's repairing a wall. Mondo came out to our house this week and we thought we just need a little little mud patch, little drywall around there. And as he's looking into it, we find, oh, my stars, we've got termites. And it's like, oh, my. So now we're praying. (laughs) Lord, we need favor. Give us wisdom. Where do we go? How How do we fix this? But when you're repairing stuff, when you're working on stuff, if you're working on a car engine, if, if you're working on another part aspect of the car or the house, or all these things, invite the Holy Spirit to come and be with you while you're working. <laughs> there's, there's amazing how oftentimes in the midst of working on something, a song develops and comes up. And it's a song that I need in the moment. and and. I don't know about you, too many times I'm working on some part of the engine and the bolt, the screw, boom, and it goes down into the shadows of the abyss of the cavity of the engine. And I'm saying, oh, Holy Spirit, help. What do I do? Is this going to destroy the engine? Is this, going to be, is this a part that this engine really needs? You know, what, what, what am I going to do? And so many times the Holy Spirit will give me a thought. Oh, if I take this off, maybe I'll be able to get around. And sure enough, you just follow as he leads and guides. Other times, I can't get this thing broke. You know, it's like whoever put this nut on Really torqued it beyond my strength. I don't know how to get this off and I can't do it with this Holy Spirit. What do I use? and then I remember oh, yeah, I've got a brake bar Let's go get it Still can't move. Oh I've got a piece of metal that will go over the brake bar And so now I've got you know six feet of, of torque and it's like oh, yeah Ask the Holy Spirit invite the Lord. The best way to uproot the stuff is to not go into rules, but to go into relationship of saying, Lord, I need you. Come show me. Lord, I want you. I don't want my frustration to cause me to go into sin. I need my frustration to lead me into a redemptive solution. Okay, everybody here? Who fell asleep? Poke him. Say, hey, wake up. You're missing something today. So Jesus shows us that it's not about rules. It's about relationship. You know, the observances, all the things that can do. You know, we, we, we know God or we know about God. And a lot of times in my studies of scripture, I learned a lot about God. And a lot of it was gonna be influenced by my professors or those who were teaching me and what their experience was. And in, in as much as it was an intimate experience with God, it was a good teaching about God. But some of them were angry with God. And so as I learned about God, I picked up on their anger with God. And it's like, oh, that's not good. But then I realized, Let's not learn about him. Let's learn him. Let's be knowledgeable experientially of who he is and what he wants. And so we find that we can function because we're trying to attain his love or we can experience his love and work from a place of knowing that you're loved. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. And from that place, I realize I'm accepted. I am eternally accepted in the beloved. And so I can always approach my father when I have a need. So Jesus redefines religion. He says, what's important? It's not what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. Why is it that you do what you're doing? had an older, very seasoned, wise, prophetic pastor brother. And he says, I never preach on Sunday without having fasted all day Saturday. He always fasted every Saturday before he preached on Sunday. And then he realized I don't think that's really you know he got into the thing that he if if he hadn't fasted he he didn't feel qualified to preach on Sunday and then he realized this is this is not the Lord this is something that I'm setting myself up for and these are the kind of things that I would like to uproot however I don't think he you know fasting on Saturday is not a bad idea If you're Methodist, you're supposed to fast on Wednesdays. John Wesley always fasted on Wednesdays. All the Methodists are supposed to fast on Wednesdays. But as as we go through and we realize there's certain things that we do because if we do them, then we feel confident and we feel adequate. And I'm just thinking, Lord, I think you're addressing those things that have been established that for me to really have a sense that you and I are on good terms, I've gotta do X, Y, and Z. And now the basis for feeling good about my relationship is what I've done and not how I spent my time and who I've been with. Is this, anybody getting this? So Lord, we welcome you to come and to uproot everything that we've allowed to be established and even as you came to uproot the traditions of men that were causing the commandments of god to be null and voided lord we just say uproot uproot everything that we've allowed to be established but it's not of you and it's not building an in intimacy with you it's causing us to have a false confidence in our religious self, in Jesus' name. So you could leave today's service and just say, okay, I'm not going to read the Bible anymore. Forget that Bible reading program. I'm not going through the Bible in a year. Don't miss here. It's the motive behind why you're reading what you're reading. Let's make sure we're reading the word, and we're reading the word to know the author, not so that we can win arguments with another religious group. External behaviors and actions from holding on to the words he speaks. Hmm, it's his commands. But when you understand a command that comes from the Lord, it's really about hearing his voice. I've never found that the Lord is oppressive with what he's commanded. But he's always speaking in love. So let's not dodge the hard work of listening to him And falling back into rule keeping because it's easier to keep rules than it is to be current in a relationship so Lord as we take communion today we thank you for your body invite you to come and to uproot everything that's been established that's not of you we acknowledge that you're the true bread of heaven you're the one who sustains us you're the one that gives us life we receive the bread that represents your body with Thanksgiving and we eat in remembrance of you Lord, we thank you for your blood. We understand from the circulatory system that the blood releases nutrients to our body and it absorbs the toxins that need to be removed from us. And we say, Lord Jesus, Your blood is the superior blood of all blood. You have released to us the good news of the gospel. You've established relationship with God the Father, with yourself and with Holy Spirit. You've removed our sins from us. You've taken out everything that's toxic and you continue to do so. And so as we receive your blood today, we do so with thanksgiving and as we drink in remembrance of you we invite you to remove all the toxins the stuff that we've allowed to be established in our lives in Jesus name I don't know about you but I, I feel like this week has been a, a cleansing week could have been because I had a colon, colonoscopy and had to prepare and, and go through a whole process But I think that's what he's doing. He's bringing a cleansing to us today. And he's inviting as as he's washing out everything that would harm us, he's given an invitation for us to experience a fresh baptism of his love. And so as we sing this song, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you individually and receive the baptism of the Lord's love. Let's stand as we sing. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.